Hello. Um, over the last few days, I've spoken to a few parents about spelling, either the actual issue of trying to spell or the issue of actually trying to retain it once it's been learned. So for a spelling test today, I can remember it, but ask me again the same word next week and it's gone. So my suggestions are, these suggestions are fairly generic, but I hope they'll help with either either situation. One of the key things is to try and make it as colourful and creative as possible and make it interactive. I know um, at school they very much suggest the idea of read, read the word, cover the word, write the word, check it, which is fine. But for a lot of children, that's too passive. It was not going to stimulate the brain in enough different ways for it to actually stay. It will kind of like go in, it will stay a while and it will, it will go again. So what I suggest instead is initially you or the first thing I ought to say is use at least five or more colours because by using a variety of colours, you're um, opening different neuropathways. And so, for example, what you might do is let me share my screen, write the word in different letters, different colours or using a different colour for each letter and perhaps use a different font. So the first letter might be quite square the might one next one might be um quite round and the next one might be quite long and thin and so each shape is different in itself um and say you've written the word dog what i would also suggest you do is draw a picture of the word next to it so if it's a noun a kind of like person place or thing write or draw a picture next to it so that way you're also creating an additional memory to help you remember that one word and you're again use colour you may choose to use different shades of um, paper to write on again just to add more colour to it um, if the weather was a bit nicer I would suggest getting outside and using water to paint on the on the fence on the wall on the patio or whatever because again you're using bigger strokes and it's more active um, than just writing with a pen and paper on a piece of paper um, and so Use colour, that's the main thing. Not sure why I deviated onto water there, sorry. Chalk, you could use chalk as well outside because, again, it will just rub off, um, wash off either either way, but it doesn't need to be permanent. Rose, and that's the other thing. If you've got a child that's struggling with the actual spelling, if you use something that will dissolve and vanish, any mistakes dissolve and vanish as well. You're not kind of like keeping them. Sometimes it's nice to keep them as kind of like this is where we started and this is where you've got to now. So hey, congratulations. Another time um it's nice to take a photograph of it or whatever because look at how well you did today. But you don't necessarily want to keep everything because sometimes it just comes across as a memento of all the failures. So um pick and choose what you do keep. But when it comes to being actually physically active with the um, learning of spellings, what I would suggest, I've got five different ideas I'm going to share. So the first one is, um, I'll write them down as we go or I'll forget and repeat myself. Use the words um, to play hangman. So, for example, uh, for those of you who are watching on YouTube rather than listening to the podcast, I'll share my screen with you and... Um, so say we might have a list of spellings that they've brought home. I just keep it really simple. Say they might be cat, dog. I'm guessing the words are probably going to be more complex than this. Cat, dog, and mat. So what you do is you'll pick a word. I'll choose that one. 
And the other person then has to try and guess what word it is by guessing the letters. So you might say to me, is there a G? And I'm going to go, no. And I'll draw the first part of the hangman. Or you may decide to choose something else. If it's snowing, for example, today, you may decide to draw a snowman instead of a hangman. Or you might draw a flower or a dog or whatever, a clown or whatever it is. So we know there's no dog. So, okay. And my next guess is going to be an A. Yes, you're right. Um, is there a T? Yes, again, you're right. Okay. Is there a C? Yes, and the words cat. But by doing it, not so much the person that's guessing, but for the person who's actually doing the writing, they have to stop and think about the letters and the order that they might go in. So it's quite a good interactive way of actually remembering um, what the letters are and the order in which they go in. Initially, you may want to have a the list of spellings there so you can check across and make sure you're getting it right so you're not remembering it wrongly. But as the child becomes more confident, just slowly move that piece of paper away and um, you try and use your own memory. But it don't, again, it's the same as times tables and everything else. Don't try to run before you can walk. There is no rush. It's better that you do it slowly and steady and it becomes a secure memory rather than you rush through it and by tomorrow it's gone again. So as long as it takes, it's as long as it's going to need to take, basically. The next game I'm going to suggest is Scrabble Letters. And for this, what I, would, I say Scrabble Letters, but it could be anything. It could be bath magnets or anything. And again, you take your list of spellings and you find the letters amongst the bag of Scrabble Letters um, to spell out those words. So say the word is cat, I'd find a C, an A and a T and I'll shake them. You'll find the letters for your words, which was, might have been dog. So you find D-O-G. Give them a shake and pass them to the other person. And then they have to try and rearrange them and work out what your word was. And that way you've again got you've got the physical act of finding the actual letters. So you need to know which letters are in it. And then when you're actually rearranging it to sort it out, you're you've got to concentrate on what order those those precise letters go in so that you can actually then read the word and create a natural word. Another thing that I often do is um, have a picture, just a blank image that needs colouring. Um, and then in within that picture, write down the different words. So um, I might have a picture of a cat and then um, in the ear I'll write cat, in the other ear I'll write dog. Actually, a cat wouldn't be a very good instance for this because I could get confused. I'd have something more generic. Um, <laughs> sorry. And then um, I'd have my picture potentially of something that your child is, in, is interested in, enjoys, and then put the words within the picture. And then once you've read the word, spelt the word, maybe written the word down, you can colour that part of the picture in. And again, it's kind of like a reward, if you like, for um, getting that part. If they're struggling, feel free to help them. It's, it's never a test. This is working together as a team. This is you supporting their learning. This isn't this is all about building a rapport so that when they're struggling, they've got the confidence to ask as much as anything. Yes, it's important. You're there to be a more knowing peer, I guess, rather than there to be a nagging parent. Um, so work side by side rather than as, um, yeah, work side by side. And you're there as a supporter rather than as a teacher, if you like, in this scenario.
Something else we often do is we create a word search for the other person to solve. So what we would do is start off with a blank um, grid, I'd just do it on Word documents, and it'd be, say, I'd insert a table, which would be, say, eight squares by eight squares, depending on the length of the words and the number of the words that you're learning. And then you put the words into the empty word search, one letter per square, and the words can go in any direction, but it's got to be in a straight line. You can't have kind of random letters from the word all over the place. And then you just fill in the blank squares, have the list of words underneath. And once it's finished, you hand it to the other person. And this is also really good because not only are you practicing looking for the words, but also if, if the child struggles with their handwriting skills at all, writing the letters um small enough and neat enough so that they can actually be recognized as letters for some children is brilliant practice for other children it's not necessary when I first started tutoring 12 years ago um I did uh I did I've done multiple courses in dyslexia over the years but one of them I did in specifically said don't use word searches with dyslexic children because it's too confusing for them but I've actually found that a lot of the dyslexic kids I work with are actually far better and far quicker at word searches than um, a lot of the other children that I work with. Maybe it's coincidence, but um, there does seem to be this amazing gene they have that just makes them so efficient at um, solving word searches. So word searches are, or you can just do it so that you create the word search for them to solve entirely up to you which way you want to do it. But um, either you make one for each other or you make one for them or you ask them to make one for you and then another game that we often use is battleships so we'll have a grid normally 10 by 10 and then across the bottom leave the bottom left hand square blank and across the bottom you'll have the letters a b c d e f g etc and then up the side again leave the bottom left hand corner blank and one two three four five six seven eight nine Put your words into the grid, so a bit like you're creating the word search, but you don't fill in the blank squares, so you just put in the words and then leave it at that. And then once you've got that far, what you would do is, um, sorry, um, once you've got that far, what you would then do is you would then ask the other person, um, do you have anything on 5A? And they might go, yes, there's a B there. So on my square in a different colour, I'd put a B. If it was a miss, I'd put a scribble or a cross or something, probably a scribble, because if it's a cross and they've got words with X's in, it can get confusing. But the goal is to try and find the other person's words before um, they find yours. And then there's also, they're my key five, but then there's also things like lily pads where you have bits of paper and the word written onto each piece of paper. And then you have two counters each. You put one counter on the table and you put the other one between your thumb and the finger next to it. Is that the forefinger? Press down hard on the edge of the counter that's on the table and it jumps, so like tiddly rinks. And um, if it lands on a lily pad, which is the piece of paper with the word on, um, then you take the word, you read it, you spell it, and it's yours. And the person with the most lily pads at the end is the winner. The reason I call it lily pads is because in the Clara James approach where we've got that game, they are the words are on lily pads. And when I first started tutoring, we used to use those frogs where you press the back down and they jump. Um, now these days we just use counters because I always found the frogs would just kind of like flick up in the air and fall back down where they started. So it never really works. But um, yeah, I call that game lily pads for that reason. Um, so lily pads 
you can also create a snakes and ladders board so as you move around the board and you land on the different words you have to read and spell the words you might ask your child to put it into a sentence but the idea is to get it as engaging as fun and as creative as possible partly so that they want to join in it's not kind of like come on then let's go and do it it's more hey let's go do it um so you want it to be fun and engaging so that they want to participate because as I've said numerous times before, the more they participate, the more practice they're getting, the more practice they get, the better they become, the better they become, the more confident they become and the more willing they are to participate. And it just becomes this really positive spiral. So, and the other thing is by making it like I started off with to tie it all up, by making it more interactive, more colorful, more fun, they're in a better, more relaxed state and they're more likely to absorb the information and make the different memories in order to recall the information. Because like, again, I've said before on numerous occasions, if we just do something once, we make a memory. If I give you the same thing to do again, we make that memory stronger, but we've still only got one place in our brain for it to go to, to recall the information that it needs. Whereas if we have do multiple different activities, we're creating multiple different memories, making it easier for your brain to recall the information when it's needed, making it easier so that instead of it kind of like coming in, I've remembered it for the test and it's gone again. Pardon me, sorry. Instead, it's it's come in, I've remembered it for the test and maybe tomorrow or next week when I come across that word again, I still know how to spell it. I still know how to read it because there's now multiple places in my brain storing the information for me, making it more accessible. I hope that helped. Have an amazing day. If you're on half term this week, have a great week. And I look forward to speaking to you soon. Take care. Bye.